Yeah, let's run the out of the ball, baby. They're wrestling, so are we. Punch them in the mouth. Raise your glasses to kicking everybody's ass. <laughs> what is going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Circle City Sports Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Sam Sinclair. Today, sadly, we don't have Jake on. He's got technical difficulties. He's got to get a brand new computer. But I am lucky to be joined by the by the host of the Bring the Juice Colts podcast. I've got Cody Felger and Derek Larger with me today. Cody, Derek, how are you guys doing today? Hey, I'm not bad. Good. Thanks for thanks for having us. Yeah, we appreciate it. Yeah, so you know we're kind of in the middle of a dead period, as I said in the last episode, where you know past the NFL draft or past the schedule release. We're looking more forward towards the training camp and two preseason. So we're going to kind of look at the roster and we're going to talk about three guys. We all have three guys that we think are make or break years for the, for these guys, for the Indianapolis Colts, these guys that, you know, if they play good this year, they'll be back on the roster in 2021, maybe even 2020 or got, or they could, you know, not have a great year and they end up missing the roster and don't get re-signed or, you know, different situations. So um, we'll start with Cody. Cody, what, well, who do you have as your three make or break Colts for this 2020 season? Yeah, I think the first one is pretty obvious. Uh, Malik Hooker, a guy that the Colts decided not to pick up his fifth-year option. He's a guy that, you know, ever since he was drafted in 2017, he's shown flashes of, you know, living up to that potential that he was drafted at, but – hasn't put it all together in a full 16-game season. He's been injured often, and so he's been dinged up throughout his career, hasn't played all 16 games. But he's shown a lot of ability. You know, he, he's shown that he can be a ball-hawking, deep center fielder type of safety. But I think kind of what the Colts, especially with, you know, even drafting Julian Blackman, who coming off an ACL injury as well, um, I think this is potentially something where, you know, if Hooker does not produce, he, you know, they, they just let him walk next year. And they, they roll with that. Maybe they address the safety position in the next year's draft as well. But he's a guy that I think this is a make or break year for him. And the Colts are basically saying, hey, you know, we, we know you have that potential, but we also know that you haven't shown that you can be durable and that you can be – I think consistency is a big thing that Hooker's going to have to show and showing that he's worth that and showing that he's worth an extension for the Colts. Um, he's my first guy in the list. I don't know if you wanted me to do all three of my guys or if you just wanted me to do one and then, you know, Derek and I do the other ones or whatever. Yeah, let's go over Malik real fast and you can okay. do your last two because, you know, we talked about before the show that Malik was going to be the obvious answer for all three of us, really. That's kind of why we kind of didn't really have him on the list. He's more of an obvious answer. But I think about it like this. If I were to actually put – I wouldn't actually put Malik on my roster or on my list. I don't even think – you know, unless he goes out there and has an all-pro season, I don't know if he comes back for the Colts in 2021. Just because they drafted Julian Blackman, I think he's a little bit more of a scheme fit than Malik Hooker is. We think Malik Hooker is that deep safety. Derek knows it really well. He's that single high safety that he played at Ohio State. Mm-hmm. And just that, you know, I don't – they tried to use Malik in a lot of different ways last year. You know, around the line of scrimmage, guard, tight ends. I just think that drafting Julian Blackman, kind of letting him, you know, take basically a redshirt year this year to rehab from the ACL injury and kind of learn a little bit more um, and play some snaps late in the year. I just think that with Julian Blackman being more of a scheme fit in that cover two defense that we run, I just don't see Malik Hooker returning to this team 
in 2021. And I think it was pretty clear and obvious when they didn't pick up his option and then they drafted Julian Blackman in the third round, even with his injury history. So that's kind of why I would, wouldn't necessarily have my leak on my roster because I just think he's probably not going to return in 2021. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it, I wouldn't necessarily say that's the only reason. I mean, obviously, this is a very Chris Ballard thing to do, kind of, you know, waiting until you possibly can to see if things work out. I mean, that is Chris Ballard, after all. That's been his MO ever since he's come here. But you're right. Um, Julian Blackman is a much better scheme fit because he's that guy that likes to, rather than go back in coverage, he's a guy that actually likes to come up and make hits. And that is exactly what this cover two scheme is entitled for safeties to learn how to do. And I mean, no offense to Malik Hooker, he can do that. It's just, that's just not his strength. And obviously as good as Malik Hooker can be, he's still a young guy. Um, They actually said he's had less playing time from college to NFL than Kahari Willis does, which is quite funny to think about. Um, So he's still learning and that's crazy to think about. But, you know, like, like you said, Sam, it is very difficult to um, sit here and think that he's going to come back because, you know, like you say, you got a Julian Blackman who in a year or two could be that perfect scheme fit that you want to play with. And we're not questioning Malik Hooker's talent and ability. It's just it, it, NFL, it's all about scheme, especially on defense. And if you don't fit the scheme of what a defense is trying to run, then you're an odd man out. And as unfortunate as that sounds, um, and I don't really want Malik Hooker go, thriving somewhere else where he might actually fit better, but yeah, it, it, it does sound like that. Um, being an Ohio State fan and liking Malik Hooker and knowing what he can do when it comes to playing in coverage, there's not many safeties that are better than him at what he does, but yeah, it, it does make sense what Sam said about, you know, possibly him not coming back. And I would have a little bit of optimism if Malik was coming back for 2021 and if they were going to extend him, mm-hmm. if they would have gave him that fifth-year option. Like, they declined to give a guy that possibly could be a pro bowler next year. They declined a $6 million option. And that's not even fully guaranteed. Like, if they were, if he were to get hurt in 2020, and then, you know, they could have cut him in 2021 with no cap with no cap ramifications and they've got plenty of money as is. So I just think it was pretty alarming that, you know, that's a safe, that's basically a safe option to pick up that fifth year option, especially as a first rounder like Malik Hooker. And they didn't even do that. And they went on drafted Julian Blackman who, you know, had the ACL injury in uh, in the PAC 12 title, PAC 12 title game in December. And he won't be ready till what, probably October, maybe even early November. And I just yeah. think I was just alarm bells going off that maybe Malik Hooker's not going to return in 2021. So, Cody, let's hear the rest of your list, buddy. All righty. Sounds good. Um, Yeah, for me, for number two, it was undoubtedly uh, Tyquan Lewis. He's another guy. Kind of higher draft pick, was drafted in 2018. He's a guy that overall, when I I look at it, he's a guy that just has not lived up to draft potential at all. I mean, when you're talking about Malik Hooker, he's a guy that's shown some flashes. And Tyquan Lewis has, but – I would say in less spurts than Malik Hooker has. He's a guy that uh, was drafted initially to, to potentially take over that three technique. Now, obviously we know that that, that has not happened so far. Uh, and DeForest Buckner now is your three technique for the near future. But Taekwon Lewis is a guy that 
um, potentially could kick out and play some defensive end. I know um, when talking about that, Matt Eberflus said that's, that's obviously something we're looking at and potentially going to do. So, uh, yeah, overall, I, I would say that Tyquan Lewis is going to be a guy that, you know, he, he may not even make the final 53-man roster, honestly, with how logjam that defensive, um, defensive line position is, especially in the interior. So um, he's a guy that I'm potentially looking at. This is kind of a year for him. And I know Chris Ballard talked about at the end of the year, um, Quincy Wilson, who's obviously gone now, and then Tyquan Lewis, he had two long talks with both those guys. And so uh, he's a guy, yeah, that I'm for sure – I, you, we've seen his potential. You go back to that Dallas Cowboys game, you know, two sacks, and he's very, very productive in the pass rush department. And so he's shown that he can do it. He's shown flashes. But I think overall for me, it's like, can he put it all together now and live up to that second-round billing that he was when he was taken in for Chris Ballard's historic 2018 class? And if he can, I mean, this just makes this class even better. But, yeah, he's my he's my next guy there who I think – potentially is a guy that you know boomer bust type of guy i just think it's zero i think is the taekwon like you said it's loaded on the defensive line like i could see honestly a 10 to 13 guys you know making the 53 man roster plus practice squad and it'll just be very interesting because you know he's been hampered with a lot of injuries and you know if they thought taekwon lewis was the future at three tech they wouldn't have would they wouldn't have traded their first round pick for deforest buckner so and Matt Eberflus talked about how him and um, Danico Autry are going to, you know, battle it out for that defensive end spot. But I wouldn't rule out Ben Bandigo possibly getting that starting position too. So, you know, if Taekwon Lewis gets beat up by Ben Bandigo at that spot, you know, where's Taekwon Lewis fit on this defensive line roster? And that's kind of my question with Taekwon Lewis. Yeah, it's kind of funny to think that last season we had so many questions on the defensive line uh, – at the beginning of the season. And now all of a sudden it seems like it's one of the deepest parts of our whole team now is on defensive line. Um, yeah. Like you said, he's going to, it's going to be difficult for him to find his posi- true position because obviously he got DeForest Buckner and Sheldon day. You have Grover Stewart, Windsor and a few other guys that can play defensive tackle. And then Justin Houston still being there. Kamiko Ture coming back uh, off of that stellar year he was having before he went down. And then Al-Qadi Muhammad and obviously Danico Autry still needs to find a spot. There's so many different guys that are going to have that, uh, that problem. But at least the good news is for Tyquan Lewis, if he decides that d- defensive end is the better fit for him, did do a lot of defensive end at Ohio State. So he understands the position. He does have some experience in that category. He's not the fastest nor the strongest, but he is a well-balanced guy that can make some plays, especially if you blitz him off of uh, the right tackle side. So I wouldn't be opposed to that at all. But, yeah, I mean, Tyquan was also another guy that I had on my list because you're right. He's been here for two years now. He's been rattled with injuries nonstop. He's spent more time on the bench than he has been on the field. So he's going to have to show his uh, he's going to have to show his worth, and I hope he does because again another Ohio State guy. But you know it's it's true he's going to probably be one of the odd men out on that defensive line if he doesn't show up. So who do you have for your last guy, uh, Cody? Yeah, for my last guy, this might be a little bit more surprising, 
But I got Mo Cox here, the tight end. Um, he's a guy that I feel like every year we have predicted he's going to break out this year. He's going to break out this year. And while he's pretty stellar as a run blocker, he hasn't really shown much in the, the pass catching department. I mean, he's a big guy, got massive hands. We, we saw a couple of years ago in that Raiders game, he made that incredible one-handed catch. But, you know, overall, he just has not shown, I guess, a ton as a receiver. And I feel like this could potentially be a year, you know, where the Colts, you know, they brought in uh, Trey Burton, the tight end. But, you know, maybe there could be a year next year where they decide, hey, we want to address the tight end position if Mo Ali Cox doesn't show some improvement in that area. And so, yeah, he's a guy for me, a little bit of a wild card type of guy because they did sign Trey Burton again. Uh, but he's a guy that I think has lots of potential. He's a physical freak. And so yeah, I think it's time now for him to put it all together and kind of prove to the Colts, hey, I deserve another contract with you guys. And so yeah, he's going to be my, my last guy there. Uh, Mo Ali Cox is, is my last guy. And he was originally on my list too. And after thinking about it, I'm like, well, he's kind of third on the depth chart. I mean, it's not a huge loss if we lose him. He's an excellent run blocking tight end, like you said. But you talked about his production or lack thereof. And I just think of it like this. There's not he hasn't had a whole lot of targets really as a tight end, if you think about it. And I even thought last year, you know, with you know, Eric Ebron and Jack Doyle, that maybe even he would be able to sneak in some extra targets next year. And, you know, you look at it this year, they you know they lost they got rid of Eric Ebron and you know, if they would have thought highly of Mo Ali Cox, they probably wouldn't have signed Trey Burton in the offseason. So, I I like Mo Ali Cox as a tight end. I think he's a really excellent run blocker. And I think he's going to be able to prove his worth this year because, you know, we all think the Colts are going to run the damn ball a lot more uh, this year. So, he should be playing a whole lot more. Um, but, I've you know, I've read a couple times that Trey Burton's been a pretty good run blocking tight end. So, we'll see. I, I could very much see them see the, uh, the Colts re-signing. Uh, Moai Cox to a nice small deal. Yeah, well, and also the addition of Philip Rivers could potentially help him out too, because you know Philip Rivers has always been a tight end friendly quarterback throughout all of his career. Uh, has always tried to find ways to sneak the tight ends around, and that could be a hidden blessing for Moai Cox. He might get a few extra catches this year on some sneak plays that they don't expect, because I think a lot of teams are now realizing oh, you know, you got Trey Burton and Jack Doyle, two guys that are both really good run blockers but are also known for catching. But people very rarely know about Mo'Ally Cox. So when they go in, you know, they could I could see him being uh, put out on a sneak route where Phillip Rivers can hit him, especially with being, again, another big body guy. Because, again, that, that's a combination of both things that Phillip Rivers loves, big body wide receivers and tight end to position. So – um, this this might actually be a good thing for Moali Cox. Like you said, he's a particularly a run-blocking tight end, but he gets a few extra catches this year, makes him think, oh, you know, I could stick around for a little bit because who knows if Trey Burton's going to work out uh, in the long run. And, you know, Jack Doyle, same way too. I mean, Jack Doyle's getting up there in age a little bit. I mean, neither one of these guys are going to be on the roster for probably the next five years. Who knows? But um, – you know, Moali Cox has a potential here. Uh, hopefully he takes advantage of it. Hopefully Frank Reich lets him take advantage of that. I mean, it just seems like now with Phillip Rivers being the quarterback, so many other guys have that option to now get involved in this offense in ways they couldn't last year with Jacoby Brissett. So 
hopefully that's that uh, Moali Cox is one of those people. Derek, Cody already took one of your guys in Taekwondo Lewis. Let me hear your other two guys that you have on your list. Uh, yeah, so I had Danico Autry um, as one of them because, you know, obviously Danico Autry brought here two years ago to try and add this defensive tackle, uh, add to the defensive tackle position that, you know, obviously DeForest Buckner is here for now. Uh, had nine sacks the first year that he came along. Obviously did really well. And then last season had three sacks, just was really a non-factor for most of the year. And so it was obviously very disappointing. So obviously we talked about him earlier of having to mix up that position and figure out what he's going to do there. So Danico Autry is the, one of the other guys on my list here, because, you know, like we said, with the defensive line position being so uh, in depth that it is right now, I mean, Danico Autry, if you're wanting another deal, you're going to have to show your worth of being flexible and being able to produce more than what you did last year. And see, I've actually got Danico Autry on my list too, and I just think of it simply as, you know, he's 30 years old. Like, he's he's got, what, maybe one, two more contracts in him possibly? And it'll be very interesting. I mean, Ballard could very much go youth over experience on his defensive line when they go to cut down to 53, 53 guys. You know, he can cut guys like – Al-Kadi Muhammad and Danico Autry, four guys, you know, guys like Robert Windsor or Ben Banigou or Kamoko Ture. So it could, it could be very interesting, you know, how that defensive line shapes up. There could be a million different scenarios that possibly play out uh, for there. So I've actually got Danico Autry on my list too. I just think, you know, like you said, the production hasn't been there. Really, ironically enough, if you think outside the AFC South, you had, what, three, three sacks against Jacksonville in 2018, three sacks against Houston. I think he had two against Tennessee last year. Really, outside of the AFC South, he hasn't had a whole lot of production. So, I mean, I just – it'd be very tough. I mean, unless he starts at at defensive end this year and has a really good year, I don't see him coming back in 2021. Yeah, yeah, he's definitely a guy that's – it's interesting because, you, you know, that 2018 season, like he kind of just came out of nowhere. And I, I, I think at the end of the year, I was just like, holy smokes, he had nine sacks. He didn't even play like – he played like 12, 13 games. I believe he led the um, team too. Yeah, he led the team. And, and so I, I predicted, I was like, he's going to break out like this year, especially with Justin Houston. And then he goes and has, I think, three and a half sacks. He has the entire amount of sacks as the entire three technique position. And so uh, obviously they needed an upgrade there. But I'm wondering and I'm hoping that, you know, he's a guy that could potentially get back to that 2018 form um, with more one-on-one -on -one opportunities, you know, with Justin Houston, DeForest Buckner getting more more of those double teams and stuff like that. So yeah, overall, I think he's a guy that has some potential boom ability, but it's kind of like, if he doesn't produce, it's not the end of the world because now you have your three technique for the your future, similar to kind of Taekwon Lewis there. So I definitely agree with you, Derek. I think he's another guy that I would add to my list as well. All right. Third, third option here. Um, this is going to come from a position that, you know, a lot of people don't think about, but uh, Mark Lewinsky is another name that I've been thinking about a lot. Um, not necessarily in the sense that I don't think he'll be back with the team, but more of keeping that spot because, you know, the Colts drafted Danny Pinter to possibly be in that guard position of the future. And, you know, I mean, there's a reason that Chris Fowler would say a fifth round guy, we wanted to potentially trade up to get him. You don't do that unless you think really highly of somebody. And, you know, with 
And I think a lot of people would say that Mark Glowinski is the weakest link on that offensive line. Obviously, Anthony Costanzo, one of the best left tackles in the game. Quentin Nelson, best offensive lineman in the game. Ryan Kelly, a top three center in the game. So that middle to the left is completely secure. There's nothing different that needs to be changed there. Braden Smith, I know that a lot, some people will say he's not been that great, but a lot of people realize on defenses that you put your best defensive lineman on the weakest tackle. That's how you uh, get more pressure. But even then, Braden Smith has been an above average right tackle, and he's still only in his third year coming into this year. So I don't see Braden Smith being an issue. It's just that right guard position. I think Mark Klowinski led the offensive line in penalties and actually had the worst protection rate. So, you know, and Chris Ballard always said, it's always about building the trenches and it doesn't matter how good you are. You can always get better. And at that right guard position, there is potential to get better. Um, So it's, it's difficult for me to say that because again, I, I like Lewinsky. I think he's a, I think he's an average right guard, which again is okay. Um, that's better than half of the league's right guards anyway. But again, you can still get better on that right side. And, you know, and I think ultimately the Colts could be looking to do something different with that right guard spot in the future. So that's why I have Lewinsky in that. I can't completely agree with that, but I'd also – I think Dane Pincer's probably a year or two away from being guard, uh, being a guard in this league. Like, you got to think, just two years ago, he was transitioning from tight end to right tackle, and he's still mm-hmm. a little bit undersized as a tackle. He would probably mm-hmm. need to add on another 20 or 30 pounds of weight just to be a right guard, and he would have to learn a position. So, I mean, I'm not completely ruling out Danny Pincer, but I think Pincer's a little bit further down the road, possibly. Mm-hmm. I think Lewinsky has, what, two or three years left on his deal, so. And none of it, none of it would hurt the cap if they were to cut him, so. I can agree with you, Mark Lewinsky can be upgraded and he could be a guy that could be cut in the near in the next year or so. But the guy I would like to add is Jake Elgenkamp. He's a, he's a guy that stuck around the practice squad last year, was brought on the team during training camp last year from the same from the uh, Los Angeles Rams. Uh, and they've also got Javon Patterson, the um, seventh rounder from twenty nineteen that is recovering from an ACL injury. Uh, there's a lot of depth inside interior wise in the backup, so I would not just throw just Danny Pincer's name in there. I would throw Jake Elderkamp and Javon Patterson in there as possibly. Uh, mm-hmm. They could draft another guy. I'm hearing there's a pretty good offensive line depth coming out in this 2020 draft. So there's a lot of possibilities. Yeah, you and I were talking about Wyatt Davis earlier. Yeah, I saw that guy. I'm like, whoa. Week. I'm seeing them stats. I'm like, is he going to be available? Because, you know, that's your Ohio State guy. Yeah, so you like, asked me, and I said, hell no. <laughs> there's, he's probably going to be one of the first offensive linemen drafted. I mean, you got to understand, he has played two years at Ohio State and is not allowed a sack at all. I mean, that is just phenomenal. And there are so many plays. We saw the play, I think it was, of uh, Damian Lewis and other people who are throwing people when it comes to pass coverages at LSU. Well, Wyatt Davis does that on run plays. He does the same thing that Quentin Nelson does. He just throws people. It's quite <laughs> impressive, honestly, and he's bigger than Quentin Nelson. So that's kind of amazing to think of. But, yeah, I, I wish he would be available, but the Colts would have to move up to get him. And there's no way you're moving up to go get a, a guard. It's not, not, not that. Not that right now. Well, allegedly you're not supposed to draft an offensive guard 
sixth overall. So yeah, I know, but it's, it's a different scenario there. It's a different <laughs> scenario because ultimately our offensive line, if we just left it the way it was, is still probably the best offensive line in the league. Now, if we were in the middle of that and we thought Wyatt Davis is going to make us go from the middle of the pack all the way to the top, then yes, but we're already at the top. So that's yeah. why it's like, you know, if, if, okay, if Wyatt Davis does drop somehow and he's there at like whatever position we get, I think maybe it's fair to say we could get around 24 or 25 or something like that. If he's still available, then Chris Ballard put, put the name in right away, please, please. I want Wyatt Davis just as bad as the next guy. I just don't think he's going to be there. The giddiness in your face, I could see it. But, yeah, I'm, like I said, Mark Glinski, I mean, he could very much be replaced, and there's a lot of depth behind him. So, it, it'll be very interesting to see what happens at the right guard spot in the next year or two. Yeah, and I do kind of wonder how much, you know, the quarterback play had to do last year with Mark Glinski because, you know, you go from Andrew Lux to Kobe Brissett, like a guy yeah. who got the ball a lot quicker, a guy who, you know, more deep passes, just did everything better. Um, Jacoby Brissett, you know, knock on him, holds the ball too long, you know, and tucks it and takes too many unnecessary sacks. Like, I do wonder sometimes how much of a difference it will make going from yeah. Jacoby Brissett to Phillip Rivers. And maybe maybe it kind of, like, will be able to mask a little bit more of Glowinski's uh, deficiencies overall yeah. as a player. So, it'll be interesting to see for sure. Yep. So, going over to my list now, and like I said, Danico actually got taken by Derek, so – I've actually got another defensive player here, and it's a guy that hasn't been mentioned yet, Anthony Walker, fourth-round pick from the 20, 2017 draft. Um, you know, they drafted Bobby Okereke, what was it, last year? Sorry, my years are getting mixed up, but in yeah, 2019. It was last, yeah, it was last year, yeah. Bobby Okereke got taken in 2019. You saw his snap count started to grow as the uh, Sam linebacker in 2019, a, a spot that he wasn't drafted to play. And so, you know, and Chris Ballard talks – a lot about him he talks a lot about Bobby Okereke and how good of a player he is and you know we talk about when he came out in the draft you know a lot of the player comp was Darius Leonard with long arms and it'd be it'd be very interesting you know Anthony Walker's not that freak athlete that Bauer drafts the defense but he's that very instinctual guy and I just think you know if they don't sign Anthony Walker you know before the start of the season I would. That's a camp battle I'm actually looking at a lot. Is Bobby Okereke versus Anthony Walker as the Mike linebacker in sub in sub positions and in base defense? Because I think it'd be a very interesting spot. Because I thought Bobby played really well last year, and I think he can play really well this year. It. That's just something I'm going to be very interested to look at this year. Is how much more do the Colts play base four three? You know, we about fifty to sixty percent of the time they play a sub package, so they only have two linebackers and. You know, sometimes it's Anthony Walker, sometimes it's Bobby Okereke. I think it's going to be very interesting to watch that snap count between those two guys throughout the year and see who gets more snaps in the base and in the sub-defenses. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm not as high on that argument because um, I, I, I like Anthony Walker uh, a lot more than some do. I mean, you know, I think I hear a lot of people say, you know, Anthony Walker is not – your typical guy that Ballard really likes at that linebacker position. Cause like you said, he's not as long arms. He's not as quick because he's more of that middle linebacker kind of material. Um, I, yeah, you're right. When it comes to how the Colts play defense, if they're going to have five secondary guys and then you're going to only do uh, two linebackers, 
then Darius Leonard and Bobby Okariki obviously make the most sense because they're guys that are quicker. They got longer arms. Um, but I mean, just, I think ultimately it has something to do with just the way the linebacker room looks at Anthony Walker because Darius Leonard even mentioned it. Anthony Walker allows me to do what I want to do. He is that good to the point where it allows me to be able to play my game the way I want to. And when the best linebacker in football is telling you that guy is the reason why I do what I do, it, it reminisces around the whole room. So um, yeah, it depends on how you want to do it with that because obviously you have Zaire Franklin, who's obviously a, a good role piece and EJ speed still being young drafted last year, but he's obviously a freakish athlete. I mean, it's amazing how quick and how long he is. He is the prototypical what Ballard's trying to bring in. He's just obviously not as instinctual as Anthony Walker or other guys are right now. So he's still got to learn the pace of the game because, I mean, obviously when he came into college, he was originally supposed to be a wide receiver. So that's crazy that, you know, he's still learning the linebacker role and still getting used to coverages and stuff. But yeah, I understand Anthony Walker's name being in that mention just because, you know, obviously the way the linebacker position is looking for the Colts right now, they're trying to go a different direction, but with the way the production, Anthony Walker's production speaks for itself. Other than Darius Leonard, Anthony Walker is the leading tackle machine on this defense. I mean, even last year, because of Darius Leonard missing three games, Anthony Walker was the number one leader in tackles last year. So I, I, I love Anthony Walker. I think he's a great linebacker, and I think he, he's still so young. I mean, he was only in that 20 uh, – is in the 2017 draft. So again, he's only 26. So it's kind of one of those things that I think he's still got some time to still learn and grow with this group. But obviously Darius Leonard and Anthony Walker are like this, dude, they're, they're tight. So um, I wouldn't necessarily go with that argument, but I do understand why you're doing it. Yeah. I'm just, the, what I'm going to be looking at 100% is how much does Bobby O'Creek and Anthony Walker play like yeah. how, like if we see Bobby Okereke taking more and more snaps in the second half of the year then yeah. you can look at you know Anthony Walker not returning so I just think that's kind of what I'm looking at because you know Bobby is a better coverage linebacker than Anthony Walker but it's yeah. going to be very interesting to see how much you know Bobby Okereke tries to take over that Mike linebacker spot yeah hmm. yeah and I do wonder you know, if you do resign Anthony Walker, how much is he going to cost really? Like he's not going to command <laughs> near Darius Leonard money or anything close to that. You know, so you just have a guy who's been a leader in that linebacker core, like since he was drafted, he's a guy that, you know, and I know some people have kind of asked, what if you move Anthony Walker to that Sam linebacker position and, you know, make Wilkeriki the mic? I don't know. Uh, I know like the, in the past, the Colts have had that Sam linebacker guy be more of a run stopper, which I think, is more so Anthony Walker's game than pass coverage. Yeah. So that might make some sense on that front. But Anthony Walker is just such a, a leader in that linebacker group. Obviously, Darius Leonard's a leader. But Anthony Walker is another leader who just – I think he helps Darius Leonard out so much, um, basically from what Derek has said and what Leonard has said. So, yeah, I, I mean, I agree with you there. I think that Anthony Walker, you know, obviously he's not as physically gifted as a lot of the linebackers that Ballard has brought in. Um, 
but he's got a lot of things that, you know, some of those guys don't in the, the leadership factor. I mean, he was a leader at Northwestern. He was a captain there. And he also seems like he's a captain on this defense. And so, you know, it's like, I guess the debate will be, you know, do you bring him back? You know, he's not the most physically gifted guy, but do you bring him back just from a leadership standpoint? Chris Ballard, I mean, know how much of an emphasis he's put on that, on leadership and guys holding other guys accountable. Um, and do they feel like Anthony Walker's a guy that they can't afford to let walk? Because we saw so many years the Colts had such bad linebackers ever, you know, the Ryan Grigson years. The linebackers were so bad. I mean, they couldn't do anything. And now the Colts have one of the best linebacking cords in the, in the league. And so, um, you know, do you, do you feel like you can afford to let Anthony Walker, you know, leave? You know, I guess that'll be the debate that we'll have to have here. Even if Bobby Okariki does overtake him at that Mike linebacker position, because um, the Colts got a good find there in the fifth round with Walker. And so um, I'm wondering if he doesn't command so much and you feel like you can bring him back in more of a team friendly type of deal. So I guess that's going to be the debate that we're going to have to have throughout this season and probably going into when Anthony Walker's a free agent next year. And I'm looking at over the cap right now and the top 13 linebackers in the league average per year over $10 million. And we're looking at guys like Bernard McKinney from the Texans, Eric Eric, uh, Kendricks from the Vikings, you know, Bobby Wagner is the top paid linebacker per year at 18 million. Now, obviously, Anthony Walker's not going to reach that much money, but no. you're looking at guys like Joe Schober, who got signed by the Jaguars this year. He's just a little under $11 million. Uh, Jalen Smith of the Cowboys, $12 million, almost 13. Shaq Thompson of the Panthers, that's 13 or 13 and a half million. Deion Jones of the Falcons is 14. I don't see Anthony Walker reaching that much, but I mean, if they can get him for just around $10 million, that's, you know, starter ish money. I would take it, but I, like I said, it's very interesting to see how much he plays because the Colts play so much sub-defense, and Bobby Okereke is a better coverage linebacker than Anthony Walker, at least right now. So, it'll be very – that's – it's going to be something to watch throughout the year and something to monitor. Um, the next guy – the last guy on my list, actually, Cody, you actually were thinking about putting this guy on the list and thought he was too young. I've got another Ohio State guy, Paris Campbell. And I just think of it like this. The Colts drafted Michael Pittman in the second round. They drafted Desmond Patton in the late rounds. And they've got, you know, they've got Marcus Johnson. They brought Marcus Johnson back. Um, they've got Ashton Doolin. They've got T.Y. Hilton. They've got Zach Pascal. They've got Darius Therese Fountain. There's a lot of guys at the receiver spot. If, you know, we don't see Paris Campbell be more productive, consistent, and stay on the field all throughout the season, he could possibly lose, you know, fall. He could fall down the depth chart and possibly lose that spot at the receiver's position. And Cody and Derek, I see you're shaking your head, and I know you I don't want to hear this, that. Derek. <laughs> okay, look, I've taken a lot of slander on my Buckeye boys here on this podcast <laughs> today already. Okay, Malik Hooker hey, and hey, Tyquan Lewis. Okay, we're. I've got we're, two. I'm, I'm. I'm gonna step up. For my one Buckeye boy, okay, the one that actually uh, that actually was willing to sign my Colts poster, okay. So I'm gonna ask this. Look, I understand. I Cody, I agree with you 100. He is a year into this system, and you cannot. And I mean, you cannot just get rid of his athletic ability and the playmaker that he can be. When you run a four-three, that is. Very hard to replicate. There are very few receivers in the NFL that can do something of that nature. 
I know. It's injuries. I mean, because that's ultimately the other reason why we're doing that with Tyquan Lewis and because the depth of the position is so big. Yes, there's depth at wide receiver right now, but the Colts have had issues with wide receivers over the last 10 years. That's never been fixed. We always need depth at wide receiver because it never just seems to get better. And you have a young kid that in this system, Frank Wright can find good ways to go. He, when he was on the field, he contributed. He contributed when he was on the field. It's just ultimately, can he stay on the field? If we're going off that argument, then yes, I understand. But to Reese Fountain, we have no idea if he's going to come in. There's no way that if Paris Campbell stays healthy, that he's going to be worse than a Marcus Johnson or an Ashton Doolin or anything like that. I understand Michael Pittman, Zachary Paschal, those two are definitives. They are staying on the roster. There's no question about it. But outside of that, everybody else has a question mark. So that ex- that does not – no. Paris Campbell, that's a no-no for me. A no-no for me. I've taken a lot of Buckeye – slander on this podcast and I do it to myself but he's only in his first year dealing with injuries Colts fans if you let him play a season where he actually is healthy I promise you you're not going to regret what this kid can do in the open field I promise you it's going to be magical when he actually plays 13 14 games out of this out of the year so that's my thoughts on that I feel like George's yeah. ran a little bit. <laughs> it happens, man. I'm okay. Hey, Jared, I'm, just, I'm just letting you I'm know, st- I've got a Malik Hooker signed jersey, and I bought a Paris Campbell jersey a few days before camp. So I've got two Buckeye jerseys. So <laughs> I, I, I love I, your I'm Buckeyes as much as, as as much as you do. So <laughs> debatable. You can like the Buckeyes. You may not like them as much as me, but that's uh, that's debatable. <laughs> <laughs> I come from a family that has a lot of Buckeye support, okay? So it, it, the roots of who likes Ohio State more, you might not find a lot of them that are more supportive than me, but that's okay. We'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll have that discussion in our free time on another day. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, I agree. Paris Campbell, it's just – for me, it's just too early. Like, he, it's not like when he was on the field, he was bad. Like, he was making plays. I think that Pittsburgh game, he had over 100 scrimmage yards – so I think it's just a matter of, you know, getting his body right for the NFL level. And if he can, he's shown that he can, you know, now hopefully with Phillip Rivers, it helps as well. He's shown he can be productive and he can make plays when he's given the chance, but just a weird year last year for Paris Campbell. It was like, you'd get healthy. He would get injured, right? right he broke away. his hand randomly. You know, he'd get healthy, get injured. And I know that Chris Ballard kind of said, it's just, it was just a freak year for Paris Campbell with those injuries. And so, yeah, hoping that he can get back now. And obviously the addition of Michael Pittman will hopefully help him, uh, you know, get more, you know, less, I guess, attention towards him so he can, you know, get, get more opportunities to get the ball and get open. Um, But yeah, I agree with you, Derek. I think it's just a little bit early for me to say Paris Campbell, as opposed to even Taekwon Lewis, because um, you you look at those two guys, like it's just such a different story with, you know, Taekwon Lewis is just, it's not like he wasn't healthy. Like, he was a healthy scratch. And so I think that's different than Paris Campbell, who just was not healthy, who was just getting injured. But, like, when he was healthy, he was playing, and he was on the field, and he was doing things for the Colts' offense. And so, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at there on the Paris Campbell debate as well. Yeah, I just think that, I mean, he could possibly – 
I'm not saying he will lose his spot. It's just being consistent and staying healthy. And that's right. something I worried about since training camp. And I mean, you can't question injuries. I mean, when they happen, they happen. And I remember when he got hurt in training camp, I can't I think it was the hamstring, if I'm correct. And he was supposed so. to be out maybe a few days and then end up being a week. And then he ended up missing basically all of training camp. And I'm like, yeah, it was, I think last year for the medical staff for the Colts was oh. a really bad year. It was really bad. Not only with Andrew Luck, but with just about everyone, it was really bad. Yeah. And I'm, I'm thinking of the rookie. I'm like, man, this Paris Campbell, he could really bring us something this first year, but you missed Training camp's an important time. I think it's probably the most important yeah. time of the season, really. And especially for a rookie. And, I mean, obviously, Frank Reich was able to draw him up ways to get him the ball. And, you know, I'm not questioning his talent or anything like that for them. You know, if I'm organizing a receiver depth chart right now, I'm putting a T.Y. Hill, Michael Pittman, Zach Pascal, and a Paris Campbell at four. And, you know. That's three- fine. I don't, I don't mind that. I mean, obviously, you, you obviously you're right. I mean, T.Y. Hilton is the main dog. Uh, Michael Pittman, you see a really big future for Michael Pittman because of how big he is. And Zach Pascal's been reliable, right? He's been Mr. Reliable when it comes to when nobody else has been reliable. Zach Pascal has been the reliable one. So I understand that. I completely understand, you know, saying Paris until you prove it otherwise, you're probably going to be the fourth position on here because we haven't seen anything out of you yet. But I mean, just for out-of-roster reasons, I can't see that. And I, This is not really – he can get cut in 2020. I think this is possibly lose his spot in 2021. Because if you think about it, you look, right. at the receiver, you look at the receiver depth in the 2021 draft class, and people are saying it's even better than last year's draft in 2020. Yeah, it's crazy. And people are already saying the Colts need to go after another receiver. And, you know – Chris Olave, have, please. <laughs> Oh, I'm looking Chris at Olave from, I'm look, from Ohio I'm, State, please. <laughs> I'm looking at Rondell Moore. I think that's his name from Purdue. I'm yeah, Rondell Moore. Yeah, he's or, a look receiver this. number one, category it's, two. It's the middle of May, and we're already talking about the draft. It's great. Yeah, it's always <laughs> what else do we draft. have? What else? I right. mean, sports have already been taken from us as is, and now we're just trying to <laughs> throw everything out. <laughs> but, I mean, like I said, you got T.O. Hilton, you got Michael Putman, you got Zach Pascal. You've got younger receivers like Marcus Johnson, Therese Fountain, Desmond Patton will probably be on the practice squad all throughout 2020. And you've got Paris Campbell. And then we've got a loaded receiver class coming in the next year. And, you know, the Colts could take one or two receivers in next year's draft, depending on how many picks they have. So I think Paris Campbell, if he doesn't stay consistent and stay healthy in 2020, 2020 year could be a questionable year because it could be like a Taekwon Lewis, like, hey, this guy hasn't been healthy. He hasn't, hasn't yeah. produced much. You know, this is a loaded spot, a receiver depth chart now. It could be a possibility in 2021 that, you know, Paris Campbell, could be a question mark. I refuse to believe. I refuse to believe. Look, I take enough banter from people on Twitter who say, Ohio State players never work out for Indianapolis Colts. They never do. When that's obviously not true, but we've had a couple of Buckeyes that have come to Indianapolis that have actually been good when they play, but – yeah, it's like, I I mean, hey, if we want to get Chris Olave next year and he's somehow available, then I don't think he will be because I think Chris Olave is actually going to be the number one wide receiver drafted. But, um, but you know, again, I, I yeah, it's it's my one Buckeye I'm holding on hope to. I really am. <laughs> so that's, I really appreciate you guys coming on the show, man. 
Oh, no problem, dude. Thanks yeah. for having me. It was it was fun. Yeah, so this yeah, that's gonna wrap that's gonna wrap up this episode of the Circle City Sports Podcast. Make sure you guys go listen if you're not already to the Bring the Juice Colts podcast. Anywhere you find this podcast, you can find their podcast. Uh, they produce really good stuff. I listen to their show all the time. So uh, I really appreciate them coming on. I really appreciate you guys listening to the show. And I hope you guys have a good rest of the day.